Hey guys, welcome back to the Moto Academy podcast. If you want to watch full episodes, you can do so exclusively at club.themotoacademy.com. This is an app that offers the highest level of motocross training. You guys can send in your riding footage to be analyzed. We have hundreds of hours of tutorial videos, full episodes of this podcast available to view, and so much more. You guys can hang out with Jet Lawrence, myself, and cameraman Cam, and the rest of the Emoto Academy team inside of the Moto Academy app. Check that out at club.themotoacademy.com. Hello, Albert and cameraman Cam reporting for duty, episode... Uh, uh, hang on, 15? 15? Maybe. Feel like that's probably not accurate of Moto Academy podcast. We're back. I got the sniffles. Great. When did that happen? I, uh, class yesterday was it, or the day before in Minnesota? It was a high of thirty-three. Mm. And even today, I'm in Tampa right now. I'm going to do my best to not sniffle. And my apologies for sounding sick. But today, I think the high here is like sixty-five, and it was fifty when I woke up this morning. Dang. Which I know, obviously, that doesn't well, sound like anything to you. It's 50 it here right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's cold. Yeah. I got a hoodie and pants on. <laughs> First time I've done, had to do that while living in Florida. So there's that. Yeah, that'll happen. Oh, there's going to be so many noises. That's okay. Whatever. Adds character. Yeah. I mean, there's there's construction there. There's construction behind me. And every person that lives in our apartment has a Lamborghini for some reason. <laughs> well, <clears throat> um, did we, you have church yesterday? What? Did you have a church event yesterday? Yeah. And I missed it. Oh yeah. So what happened? I got hosed, dude. It's like, uh, okay. So I got stuck in JFK yesterday and this is the first time I've ever missed a flight. And it was like my fault. You know what I mean? But, I mean, it was, but it was, it was your fault, fault, but also, yeah, but I'm confused. So somebody told you that there was, yeah. So here's was, what happened. You know how American is like partnered with JetBlue? Sure. So sometimes if you book an American flight, it'll actually be through JetBlue. Yeah. So I knew that, but so this is what happened. I flew from LAX to JFK on American. I get to American and I look on my phone and there's no gate information on my ticket. And then I go to the TV screens and there's no gate assigned to the flight. Right. And I had like 45 minutes in between flights as is. So I kind of like waited for 10, 15 minutes to see if they were just behind and something was going to pop up, you know, and then nothing happened. And then I had 30 minutes left before the flight was going to leave. So like I should be boarding right now. And I went up to an American person, like an American employee or whatever. I was like, hey, like, you know, my flight doesn't have any gate information. I showed them my ticket, like all this stuff. They're like, oh, okay. They looked it up on their phone. They're like, oh, gate one, you're going to go this way and go down this way. I'm like, okay. And gate one is as far away as possible, of course. So I go to, down to gate one and then I'm sitting there and there is like nothing happening. You know what I'm saying? And like, I've had flights, like when you and I were flying to South Bend, we were just sitting at the gate and nothing was happening. Do you remember that flight? Like they didn't no. tell us it was delayed. So I was like, well, it's not, you know, it's American, American kind of blows. So you never know. And 
then I was like, okay, well, I got like 20 minutes until this flight's supposed to leave. I should ask somebody else. And I go up to that person and I'm like, hey, like an American person told me to come here, but like nothing's happening. And he's like, oh, no. And he looks it up. He's like, yeah, that flight's on JetBlue. I'm like, what? how do I get to JetBlue? And JFK is a very confusing airport to get to a different terminal because there's no like there's no like train train situation. There's nothing. Right. And I'm like, then how am I supposed to get there? He's like, and by the time I was done with him and he gave me the JetBlue ticket, I had 15 minutes before I was supposed to leave. I was like, well, there's no way. So I had to go back little. I went to find out the person who pointed me towards the wrong gate is the person that has to let you in, like use her key card to get into a certain elevator that will bring you down to a shuttle to the JetBlue terminal. Yeah, that's so, how JFK works. So yeah. yeah, you couldn't even do it without her. So you had to go, f- you had to find that person? Yeah, so I went and got her again, the person who told me to go to the wrong place. I'm like, uh, you screwed me, get me to JetBlue. And then of wow. course I get down on the bus and I'm the only person on the bus, okay? Literally the only person. I'm talking to the driver. I'm like, hey, I got like seven minutes. Can we like move? He's like, oh, we got to wait. So we waited for like five minutes. Nobody came. I'm the only one on the bus. Then the bus leaves. And yeah, dude, I sprinted and I I missed it by like two minutes. You did? Oh, so you're close. I missed it by like two minutes, which is almost worse. worse. But then again, it's like, it was a little bit my fault. Like, but then again, how, like the ticket just said nothing on it. And I like asked an American person, they told me to go to the wrong place. And it's just like, oh my gosh, thank the Lord. Like JetBlue gave me the next flight out, which hallelujah, there was another flight like two hours, two or three hours later, um, which into my airport is rare. And they just put me on it. No questions asked. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, the last couple I, of flights I've missed, there wasn't a backup flight. Yeah. Cause I'd showed so. up to the, maybe cause I showed up to the, you know, counter like sweating because I was running with all my camera gear and crap. So I'm just like lugging through the airport. Oh, it sucked. I was so Salad. mad. I like, oh, I'm mad congrats. when I do something because of my own stupidity. Yeah. But I'm really mad when I do something because of somebody else's stupidity. And this was yeah, a combination that, of the two. So it was, it was like, definitely <laughs> a combination. What percentage would you put it on, on 50, them 50? or on me? On uh, what, what percentage split? Well, it was 100% my fault until I asked the person. You know what I'm saying? Like, and yeah, I don't know. I guess it's 50-50. I'm (laughs) going to say 70-30. It's definitely their fault. Because if they pointed me, because they could have just been like, oh, yeah, it's a JetBlue flight. Go here. And I would have had plenty of time. You know what I mean? So it was 100% my fault until it wasn't. And then it was only 30% my fault. (laughs) Yeah, 60% of the time it works every time. Every time. Yeah, I was not happy. So anyway, this has, so just because I got a question about this, the next podcast that comes out will be the mental podcast, the mental state podcast, the mental health podcast, whatever we want to call it. Which, by the way, we're going to make a semi-regular thing. And it was really good. I've just decided. It was good? Well, when we were talking about it, it felt good. Great. I don't remember. And then the Good. podcast after that, we're going to have a special guest. So be on the lookout in the app. We post in the feed, like asking for questions. And we're going to have questions for this specific guest 
and you're going to want to ask questions for yeah, that podcast. Yeah. So just keep an eye out for that. That'll happen in the next week or so. Um, but yeah, a lot happened this week. And AJ, I think we are going to start this podcast with a question, which we've never done before. Sure. Yeah, you ready? So this is a straight rhythm podcast, obviously. I don't know if I said that, but obviously. Okay. All right, both straight rhythm. Here question? we go. Cool. We're going to start it. with a question. Bro, my question is, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Good question. Great question. Just like always inside the Moto Academy, what happened? Yeah, what on, dude, what happened? What, what did happen? <laughs> okay. Dude. So let's start from the beginning here. We had a test day scheduled on my calendar. I forget what the date was. It was no, it was, it, uh, what month is it right now? It, it was September 29th, was it? Whenever we had the Jet and Hunter class scheduled in Tampa. Yeah, I want to say September 29, yeah. I bought a flight for my mechanic to fly into that class so that we could live stream him building the bike for Inside the Moto Academy, and then I was going to test it then, which would have bought us time to where if it didn't run right, which it wouldn't have, we would have been able to troubleshoot the issue over the course of the next, not month. No, a couple of weeks, weeks at least. We could have ordered a key and carb and been done few with weeks. it. But hurricane, blaming this whole thing on the hurricane, basically. It really is the hurricane's fault, to be honest. Essentially. I mean, down to the core of it, it's the hurricane's fault. So we obviously had to scratch those two days. And for those of you thinking, well, what about any other days? If you could look at my calendar on my phone, you would realize that that is an impossibility. Yeah. I am either. No, my schedule is absurd and so i found two days when it could have happened when those got wiped out there was no backup plan so the backup plan essentially at that point was to and sorry guys i do i sound really sick i can't tell from here great okay because you just can't hear me yeah i can't hear you at all okay. really so the backup plan was to fly in on thursday of straight rhythm and ride thursday afternoon at Glen Helen essentially is where we decided to choose. So my mechanic, Dan at Royal Power Sports flies in on Wednesday, builds the bike, everything, they're bragging about how perfectly everything comes together. The fact that they found like a pro race shop to build this bike in, they're over the moon with well, hang on. how well everything is going. A little more detail. The bike okay. came in a box from Italy, went to Florida for us to put it together there. Didn't end up doing it. So we shipped the box, the bike in the box to um, California and everything that could have gone wrong went wrong with that. The shipping company was like, Oh, you can get it on Friday. And like, we were supposed to ride right. it at straight rhythm on Friday. We're like, no, we need it Wednesday. Cause we got to put it together Wednesday, go ride it Thursday. So Dan and I, you guys saw this in the vlog. If you watched it, we had to go to the shipping place and like they had to take the box off the truck to give it to us, which they like don't do that sort of thing. You know what I mean? So like the fact that that worked, Dan and I were like over the moon. We're like, guys, this is, this is happening. And then it was like, we didn't have tools. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't have anything. Right. So then we reach out to Jacob Hayes and Jacob's like, Oh, I got, I got my buddy who has like a shop. We're like, Oh cool. We expected a garage. And we go over to this shop, not to mention there was like 
hours of driving in between these these oh. moments. Hours of everywhere driving. was every every single location. Even once I got there, was an hour to an hour and a half. Everywhere you're an hour and a Just half from everything in California. No matter everywhere. where you are, Horrible. you, you yeah. have an hour and a half to go. So we're Horrible. we're driving for hours. You know what I mean? Anyway, we get to the shop and it is a full-blown race shop. Every tool we need, just set up. You guys saw in the vlog, and this was just Jacob Hayes' buddy's house. You know, like Jet and Hunter's mechanics showed up just to say hi. <laughs> like everybody's oh, really? very connected and like lives in the same place. A pro circuit mechanic showed up. Oh. Um, actually, the dude who helped tune your bike at Straight Rhythm, not Mitch, but the other guy was was there bo- that bo- night. Bones? I don't think it was Bones. It was a younger kid. Oh, the younger one. Oh, okay. I don't know his name, but I, I don't know his is. name yeah. either. Sorry, buddy. Anywho, um, but it was just like all coming together, dude. We were like, this couldn't, this couldn't be any easier. <laughs> so then I'm on a plane Thursday and I think you guys got to the track Thursday morning to Glen Helen. Yep. That's where. And then waited. Yeah. We, well, we got there and Dan and I had a nice morning. We went and got breakfast. Like the bike was <laughs> together and running. Like we were dialed. We went to Glen Helen early because we heard like Anderson and, um, pro circuit and all those guys were going to be testing on the Supercross track, which they were. So we rolled up, found Kenny day. He gave us a box. like a moto box. So we had tools for the rest of the week. Shout out Kenny day. Kenny day saved our lives. We'll talk about <laughs> more of that, I guess, as we go, gave us boots, gave it like hooked it up. Um, we, we got there right when Kenny, when Ken Roxon was flying in the helicopter out of, <laughs> out of uh, Glen Helen and Dan and I are sitting at Glen Helen. We're like, this is sick. Like we're at Glen Helen. You know what I mean? We've always wanted to be here and our big thing, which in hindsight, I mean, how would you have thought this? Our big thing was like, we're not going to ride the bike until you get there. Like we wanted you to be the first person to ride the bike. <laughs> In hindsight, I should have brought my gear and gone to ride all morning, but... Um, okay, so, but the question, my question would be, he started the bike, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. Multiple times, probably. Probably started a Wednesday, probably started it Thursday before I got there. Did he never rev it enough to be able to tell that it had that crazy gargle well, once you got to the mid-top end? What he did was heat cycles. Like, he was breaking the bike in. You know what I'm saying? So, so he never really. No, he never got on it because, like, we didn't know if the engine was brand new. We didn't. We don't know anything. So we were just heat cycling it for you. So when you got on it, it didn't tear itself to pieces. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So that was probably the one thing that, in hindsight, we could have and should have probably done is like Wednesday after heat cycling it a couple times, maybe Wednesday night. That bike should have been revved, revved. Because it was very obvious. As soon as you would rev that bike, it was no bueno. So I, I get there. I get geared up. I hop on it. This is Thursday, Glen Helen. 3 p.m.? 5. 3.30? 3 p.m.? 3, 3 to 4 p.m. at this point. I make it to the Glen Helen sign, which is in the first turn. So I make it the start straight. Mm-hmm. And on the start straight, I'm like, okay, maybe it's not warmed up somehow. I, and then I stop at the top, try to clear it out. Nothing. And so I ride it back. I'm like, oh, okay, no good. So now the scramble begins. The carb that's in this bike is a Makuni, which I've learned so much about carbs. <laughs> and still this weekend, still know nothing. But I knew really nothing before. <coughs> nice. Wow. 
<clears throat> oh, that echoed, echoed all the way to Vermont. Jeez, I'm... <clears throat> Woo! <laughs> Had a stock Makuni carb in it, a fully custom exhaust built from scratch, and a custom air boot that's like 3D printed. So those were kind of the three big variables, I would imagine, with the two-stroke. Other than that, it's got to be fairly simple, right? And then the fourth variable would be fuel. So we ran C12, which is VP. Yes. For fuel. As soon as I pull off, Dan goes into his toolbox and realizes that the jets that he has to make changes are for a Kian carb, which I ran on my Supercross 125, which is probably the carb that we would have wanted from right from the get go. Yeah. So those carbs or those jets don't fit. Now we're in a scramble. We're running around the parking lot trying to find people that have jets. The I asked these two very German looking fellows that ended up being from Austria and working for KTM. Super nice. Talked to them all weekend. They were out there riding 2023 KTM 250s. They didn't have anything. They're also the ones who tuned the bikes that yeah. Plessinger, Cooper Webb, Hansen, and Ryan Morris rode at Straight Rhythm. Of course, the new KTMs are fuel injected. Those are so those were all fuel cars. injected. <laughs> yeah, so they they didn't have anything. And now you guys then hop in the car and go to Chaparral, which is the biggest dealership probably on the face of the planet. It was incredible. It was like Bass Pro Shops, but for dirt bike riders. And they didn't have jets. So I'm like, cool. Okay, there goes Thursday. So I'm sweating it a little bit. But at this point, I'm like, I remember from the past how much time they, Red Bull gives us on Friday to practice. So I'm like, okay, all good. I'll have Friday. We... And what happened Friday morning? How did we get the Dude, jets what eventually Thursday for that Thursday night? We, I can't even remember. Dan and I, oh, okay, so you, that's what happened. So Dan and I, you went, you, you and Jackson took off. Dan and I went back to that shop because we heard some, a friend of the person at the shop might have jets. So Dan and I okay. drive an hour and a half back to the place. And then we just have... It was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. We, we, the guy that we were supposed to link, it was so sketchy. The guy we were supposed to link up with gave us an address and we're like, all right, we'll be right there. He's like, oh no, I'm not home yet. Don't come until I'm home. And we're like, all right, we'll go get dinner. You know, so we went to In-N-Out in the In-N-Out parking lot. We ripped off all the plastics because we had to bring them to the hotel room to put graphics on. Yep. And we're just sitting in In-N-Out and we're like, hey man, we're going to come by now. He's like, no, 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 we're not there yet. I'm like, oh my gosh. So Dan and I just drove closer to the place and we were just sitting on the side of a road and we were there forever. I mean, we probably waited another 45 minutes to an hour. And at this point, it's 9.30, 10 o'clock and we're like, we have an hour and a half drive back and then we have to jet this thing in the parking lot of the hotel. And we're like, this is ridiculous. And then after waiting 45 minutes to an hour, we're like... You know, he's doing this guy's doing us a favor, so we don't want to like be bugging him the whole time. But we sent him another message and we're like, hey, like what's going on? He's like, he's like, oh, I've been home. I, I thought I told you. And we're like, oh my gosh. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so we finally pull up to this place. The address brought us to the sketchiest little like situation. We were like, what is happening? Um, but sure enough, dude comes out, he's super chill, super nice, hands us some jets, and we were stoked. We we're like, all right, we have we have jets now. And then we drove an hour and a half back. And then I think that night we Dan was putting in the putting in the jets and doing the graphics. We when we got back, you and Jackson were out cold already. 
Oh yeah. Um, so we bring the bike. I, d- yeah. No, we didn't even put the jets in. We brought the bike to Kenny Day's house, left it at Kenny's house, came back with the plastics. Dan was doing graphics. I stayed up all night, basically editing the YouTube video. And then we woke up and then it was Friday. Yeah, all the work that was done to that bike was almost done when I was sleeping inside of the hotel room. It was insane. So he did the graphics that night. Then he must have jetted it the next morning. We had a two-hour time window to practice. In fact, I think the 125s just had a one-hour time window to practice. So I go out there with the first jet option. Still not even close. Now at this point, we have Mitch Payton there. We have everybody there. They're, Mitch is trying to tune it. And we, long story short, we spend the whole Friday trying to jet the Makuni carb, which again, in like each step along this process, in hindsight, we would have got rid of that carb probably right away, just based on the situation of the exhaust, the air boot, all that. I don't think that carb was really the answer, but we tried to tune that carb all day. It didn't work. Now it's Friday night late. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't practice at all. I did a couple of runs where I was able to double a couple of small things, didn't jump anything else because it wasn't, it wasn't safe. I was lucky. Honestly, I was lucky to even get off of the start thing off the drop down. So now I miss all Friday. Everybody else is warmed up. They've learned all the obstacles. I'm like, cool. This whole weekend's like slipping away from us at this point. And I'm just getting a little upset. Friday night, we decide that we're going to take this car from stank dog that he gave us, which is electron because nobody, we asked around everywhere. I put out an Instagram thing. Nobody, apparently, unless nobody wanted to give me one or sell me one, had a key and carb. So we were like, key and carb, key and carb. This is Friday night asking everybody, nobody had it. We take this, the Electron from Stank Dog, and then we had to find a throttle cable, which we found on Facebook Marketplace. So then Dan goes and drives and picks up the throttle cable from Facebook Marketplace, gets the Electron carb, which we later find out is tuned and set up for a 250. Did I tell you that yet? No, I heard it in the meeting yesterday, yeah. We didn't know this until after the event, right? Didn't know this until like yesterday because the Electron guy texted me and said, hey, that was set up for a 250. Cool. Gosh, so, <laughs> so then we roll the bike into the hotel room. I'm asleep at this point already. Dan jets it, puts Electron carb and everything. Dan and Nemo, Royal Power Sports do okay, that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're just Friday blowing night. past all the details, bro. Well, because I'm the best storyteller of all time, dude. Yeah, well, if, you don't to wanna, brief. if you don't want to hit all the crazy details, I just sure, I just want to portray how just ridiculous this whole weekend was. Because he gave us Electron card, carb that yeah. we needed a throttle cable for. Right? We, yeah. didn't, we couldn't just put it on because we didn't have the throttle cable. So we all went out to dinner and Dan's firing away on his phone and finds... A, it's a whole setup, electron carb to throttle tube, cable and all, on Facebook Marketplace. Finds it and buys yeah. it. So he has to drive another hour into nowhere <laughs> to buy this entire carb setup just to get the throttle he, cable. He bought the whole thing? I think so. Oh. I'm not really sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, um, and then he drives an hour back. And at this point, this was the first night where I didn't stay up with the guys. Like, I, I was like, Dan and I bonded this week, dude. We spent like 50 hours in a car together. We were there for like, it, we were there for like three months, basically, um, is what it felt like. And I'm like, Dan, I, I, I'm sleeping tonight. I'm sorry. So they stayed up all night. And mind you, typically with a carburetor, you can like, the air boot 
on these bikes or whatever have some give so you can just pop it out. But our custom 3D printed one required the entire subframe to come off. So changing out the carb was a pain. You can't just take it out. You have to take the everything off. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so it was a job for these guys to put this different carb in. But anyway, yeah, bought it off. Which Facebook. for all we know, that air boot could have been part of the problem. Could have been. So then I wake up Saturday morning. Now I have Electron in it. Go out there first one, run with Electron. Bike still sucked, pretty sure. It might have been ride. It, it, I it think it progressively, it progressively got more rideable to the point where I could actually do the big tabletop in the, the center, finally. Uh, I was able to triple a couple of rhythms, barely, but finally. And then the same thing. Mitch is tuning in this thing. We The Electron, you have less options as far as jetting, but you can still go more rich or uh, more lean. Like there's a couple of options. And so Mitch advised us to continue to go more lean, which thankfully he did because we were going to go the other way with it. And uh, got it pretty rideable. So that's what I qualified. My three qualifying runs were done on that bike. It didn't have a gargle at this point, but what it started to have instead of the gargle was a, a, a bog. And it would come pretty high in the RPM randomly. So it would happen like in the face of the big tabletop when I was third gear, like mid to three quarters throttle going up the jump face or when I would land the big tabletop. Pretty scary situations for it to be bogging. Uh, but at this point, we didn't really have, we had no other alternative. We had run out of time. So then the race comes, the temperature dropped because it was cold and it was rainy and it was, the temperature was change, changing quite a bit throughout the day. So now it gets later in the day when we're doing the race runs. And as soon as that gate drops for my first pass with Ryan Morris, just right out of the gate, just bought. I was lucky, seriously, I almost fell in the hole in between the drop down and the mound of dirt. And I'm like right away, six bike lengths behind him. I catch back up because I did the three, three. Then I was so worried about my Superman and it bogged on the jump face doing the Superman. So I got terrible extension on that too, which I'm very upset about. Uh, he beats me round one, round two. I was ahead the whole time. The one thing I'm good at in straight rhythm is I don't really mess up typically, right? So I will almost never botch a rhythm which that two, three, three before the big table in the middle was very hard for those guys to get consistent. And uh, I was able to get it every time, even with the bike bogging. Uh, but I was just really taking my time get, getting in that pocket. Had a big lead on him going into the whoops. And then he just blew by me at the end of the whoop section because the bike, I had to double downshift and seat bounce like crazy that double after the whoops because my bike would bog so bad right in that pocket. And he was able to just stay in the same gear in fourth gear or maybe even fifth gear and stand up and scrub through the double and just blew right by me did you see the picture of him crossing over into my line i sent you that picture oh you did how funny is that <laughs> i know could have been different but in my it, with the bike it probably wouldn't have made a difference it didn't matter it yeah. didn't matter and the, the weather only got worse so the bike only would have got worse i mean in my it was just amazing because anytime i've had a bike issue in the past it always gets fixed. Even if it's an extremely big issue, always it gets fixed. And like Thursday turned into Friday morning, turned into Friday night, turned into Saturday. And it was like, 
no way. We're going the whole weekend here, and this bike isn't going to get I fixed. It was hard to believe. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. It was, it was hard the to believe. first and, trip and the, we've done where things just didn't work. And the people commenting on Instagram were kind of in the same boat. Like, how are all of these you know, high-level mechanics working on this bike and not able to figure it out? But when you're in a time pinch like that and you don't have many options, you spend so much time troubleshooting a specific issue that once you move on from that issue, you've already overshot your window to like when you have only, you know, half hour, 45 minutes, one hour to be out in the track at a time. Next thing you know, the whole weekend just goes away. Yeah. And it's, it's a bummer because straight rhythm is like Carson Brown was riding great. Josh Rees is riding really good. Derek Kelly riding super solid. Ryan Morris. There's a bunch of fast guys in the 125 class, but straight rhythm is my thing, man. Dude, if we, I mean, I, we shouldn't have this mindset. You're going to hate me for even saying this and it's okay. Dude, if we had that KTM from Supercross, I, we yeah, would have been yeah, at least top three, if not better. Yeah, top, top three would have been worst case scenario, I think for me. Uh, again, not, not taking anything away from the other guys. It's just that Carson Brown is very fast. He would have been my biggest competition. His He's bike also runs completely perfect always. His bike sounded so unbelievably good, but of course, and it should. It's a PC bike. Because, because these, this is a big event. These guys look at this event as a big event, which we, we were excited for it too, but we just weren't prepared. So weren't prepared. It's, uh, and we're usually yeah, not nobody, prepared. Usually this not time prepared, was different. but it, do, it does usually work out somehow. Right. And this time it just didn't quite work out. But the way I'll look at it is like, I'm, I, I didn't get hurt, which very, that bike running that way very easily could have got me hurt. We met a bunch of cool people. I did a Superman, so it kind of brought the whole thing full circle from last. Honestly, that's rhythm. all that matters to me is that uh, we got the and Superman. And that is all that matters, but that the, even with the Superman, like if it hadn't have bogged on the bottom of the jump face, I would have jumped 15 feet further. I wouldn't have felt the need to pull the Superman back before I got to full extension, and it would have looked 100 times better. But do you think the average person notices, or do they watch that Superman go, oh, that was cool? No, they probably thought it was dope. The crowd was yeah. stoked on both your For races, me, honestly. Yeah, because like the first one you did the Superman, the second one you guys were so close at the end. Photo finish. Insane. Yeah, that was one of the closer runs of the night. Yeah, which makes sense because you guys qualified right next to each other. We knew it was going to yeah. be tight, you know. Yeah, yeah, frustrating, frustrating. So that was the weekend, and then I put the bike up for sale. Then I decided not to sell it. So now that bike's getting shipped. I don't know if you got this update yet. Don't that bike anything. is now getting shipped back to driver Jamie in Pennsylvania. Oh, gets picked up tomorrow from Lucas's house. And yeah, uh, we'll have it on display at the Jet and Hunter class at Tomahawk. Probably ride it that day a little bit, if it'll run. I think and for then outdoors, we'll it won't matter so much. Like, it'll probably be fine. Right, you can get away with a little bog in outdoors, maybe. Right. Uh, and then, yeah, we'll have that bike on display at Supercross. We'll probably figure out a really cool, creative way to give it away, do some type of sweepstakes somehow for a way you guys could win the bike. And, uh, yeah, it's cool. And even Lucas today, he goes, man, that he kept saying over and over that bike was, is sick. Yeah, it is sick. I'm like, is he asking me like, cause you know how Lucas has all the bikes in his office at his house. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm like expecting him to ask me now for this bike. I'm like, no, no, dude, we need to, so we wait, need to profit what are we off that motorcycle it? somehow. What are we doing with it? Well, I think we have it on display at all the supercross rounds and figure out a, a creative way to create a sweepstakes around it. Okay. 
Yeah. I know the bike giveaway thing is kind of getting played out, yeah. but at, at, at a physical supercross and that bike specifically, it's kind of a different situation. Like I, and I think there'd be a way that we can do it really creatively. Right. I mean, we get, let's talk about that off the record. Cause I have some thoughts, but <laughs> you have ideas. Well, I, I have some thoughts. I mean, but also part of me is like, uh, part, I just want to see it run. Like I want right. it to be the bike that it looks like. You know what I mean? Like I, I want us to like spend a little bit of time and make it perfect. Right. Which we can easily do by the way. So we're going to get a bunch of comments recommending, try this, try this, try this. All it takes is my mechanic to get there for a day and have a couple of options of oh, parts exactly. to troubleshoot. Dan's and a, that bike will be, f you guys got to realize like Dan and Nemo with Royal. I mean, they're legit. Yeah. It's not their fault that the bike wasn't running. You know what I'm saying? We just didn't have the no, resources they, with the resources. Gosh, like that thing will be sick i think yeah yeah so and yeah but otherwise i mean uh, the track was sick it was on the beach uh which i didn't know it was gonna be on the beach i had a moment where before i dropped in one of the rounds where a really cool song came on the speaker right in my ear and i look over and the the waves are crashing i'm looking out at the water and the crowd is everywhere i'm like whoa this is insane the fact that i am in staging to load into the to drop in to straight rhythm that's on the beach it sold out so congrats to jeremy everybody at red bull that made that happen i hope i think that i think everybody was pretty pumped on it oh it was a great event so, so i would love if that could become more of an annual thing it usually would because be, right? there's well it's no just it was it it, up, i thought they did 17 and 18 or 18 and 19 back-to-back -back years. But then they would, yeah, it's kind of sporadic when they decide to do it. I think that it should be once a year. I'm sure it's a lot to coordinate on their ends. As a rider, it's it's the most fun event. It's gotta be. Because you get a, you get a ton of practice time, which I didn't this time. Uh, it's a laid back environment. There's no semis. So that kind of takes away from the allure of like, I, it's different. Right. You know, like when my bike wasn't running, pushing it, pushing my bike over so that to pushing my bike over to Ken Roxon's van mm -hmm. so that Mitch Payton could tune and jet my bike. It felt like you're at a, it feels like you're at a local race, hmm. but you're just surrounded by like legendary people right. at a local race. So it's, it's, it's cool. Yeah. We're super cross. Like everyone's really uptight. They're hidden behind the the banisters and inside of their semis. So you don't have access to them. You know, I couldn't just push my bike up to Mitch Payton at a super cross race and have him tune it. It's, it's just different. Right. It's it was cool. a great atmosphere. It was super laid back. Like it's just fun. You know, your boy got a media pass. Yep. Hallelujah. Thank you, Red Bull. Thank you, AJ number two for making that happen. Finally, two years later, yep. media um, pass super cross. I don't know what I got to do to make you guys happy, but <laughs> um, Yo, there's no way that you don't get a media pass this year. Dude, there's no way I get a media pass this year. I would be there's the, there's uh, no way that you don't. This would be our third year of trying. No, second year with Lucas. There's there's uh, there's, there's got to no be way. a way I, I you're like there's got I don't know what we got to do. There's got to be a way. Anywho, it'll it'll happen. <sighs> It'll happen. Anyhow, great question from Moto Academy person. Yeah, what, what happened, what, dude? What what happened? I don't even. We probably missed so many details in there. Dan and I were just like 
cracking up because we're like, man, we feel like we've been here a month, dude, just like all day, every day trying to make something happen. Um, but it was fun. It was fun. Oh, the bike, the bike, the bike was cool looking though. Man, it looked good. Best looking bike ever. My best looking, I say this biasly, but best looking just set up period. I would. Would you agree or who else looked better? I would agree. I would agree. Who else looked good? Yeah, no, that was. I think so. Were you the? You were also oh, the only. Bar- Barsha, Barsha looked oh, sick. Oh, Barsha looked sick. But you were also the only yeah. Honda out there, and it was just like. You, just you don't so think cool. Barsha looked good? You what? don't think so? Why? Did you even see what he looked like? Shoo shoo. She said, "Do you know what he looked like?" Yeah, he was wearing yellow. Roxon? Oh, he looked the worst. Tell her I said that. Uh, Cam says Roxon looked the worst. Cancel Cam. Hashtag cancel Cam. Do you think Roxon's kit looked good? No. No, she doesn't think so. Do you think his gear looked cool? I, yellow is just, I don't like yellow. I think his gear looked cool. I just don't, I don't like the, uh, whatever retro year that is for the Yamahas. I, I don't love that retro look. Yeah, it was weird. <coughs> but I still think it looked cool. And Roxon was, right. Okay, let's get into this topic. Yeah, can't believe Ro- he didn't Ro- win. Right, Roxon definitely should have won. Well, what happened? Well, no, maybe not. I don't, think I don't he know. Should have, dude. I'm pretty sure Moosecan went undefeated the whole event, didn't he? He's gone undefeated apparently in every single run he's ever done in straight rhythm. He's never lost a run. Really? That's I what I've heard. That's what the I think. Fine. I think that's what I heard. Wait, so did he now, not race the year Roxon did? The year Roxon won it? Well, clearly. Yeah, no, he, he didn't. He didn't. Yeah. Yeah. He killed it. It was insane. People want a breakdown. Do you have any footage of Moosekin? Sure don't. <laughs> cool. Uh, people want a breakdown of, of what's different. The difference, if you... Moosekin is very animated when he rides. Have you noticed? Yeah. Meaning he pushes, he literally, like he's on a KX65, pushes the bike down to the ground when he's about to land and eats he's not tall necessarily he's probably 5'10 eats up every single inch of the suspension travel as he's going off the face of an obstacle as well so he's very very good very effective at just attacking and pushing through so isn't Roxon though I think Roxon is just slightly less animated about it a little bit less body movement uh if I had to pick one of the two in a straight rhythm battle, I would pick Roxon any day of the week. So that's why I'd have to really watch those race runs all the way through, which we him? absolutely, we, we should be doing that. All right, let's do it. Okay. We'll watch uh, just the finals, yeah? With yeah. Roxon and Moosecan, yeah. which yep. there's now, only two. For the, f- for the finals, it was raining, which that they both have to ride in rain, so that, that doesn't affect it. Sketchy's uh, part probably about them riding in the rain was a ramp up to the start, but oh, the, the ramp up to the start was already so hard to get up when even when it was dry. Right. I could. I don't know how they got up there when it was raining. No idea. The Frenchman and the German they go way back. They grew up racing each other in Europe. They were teammates with KTM for a long, long time. Who's okay, get ready to pause at spots if you're gonna. Okay, first of all, way better start. Has changed since the last time they were on the track, what? So why are we gonna get all analytical? Pause that. Kenny's had the whoops. Huh? Moose, Moose can just won. 
<laughs> yeah, he did. You're right. Huh? <laughs> okay, continue. Okay. <laughs> Speed. But now with the moisture, the rain, I don't know if the whoops are going to be the same. I mean, either Kenny's going to just blow by him with something special, or he's not going to have that power, or he's going to be too far behind. I mean, God, Marvin. Unbelievable, Marvin. Oh, no, Rocks is trying to power down now, trying to get close enough to be in striking distance. He's so good in the whoops. Can he pull off the comeback effort? No, Marvin throws down and wins the first run. Okay, so this is good. Wow, okay, so pause that quick. Yeah, it came really close, actually. Yeah, they were completely identical the entire race run. If anything, Kenny was a little bit more effective when he landed the big tabletop. Uh, Roxon was very, very good at pushing. There was a triple onto a table. It was super easy to case and it was even easier to overshoot. He was very aggressive at charging and scrubbing onto that table and then off the table and off the next one. That little part of the track, I think, and along with scrubbing the giant tabletop, that little section of the track was Roxon's best part. Mm -hmm. So he caught up to Muskin a little bit right there, maybe three tenths of a second, like one bike length, a bike length and a half. But then where they ended was exactly where Muskin pulled out on the start. So breakdown past one, Muskin won that on the start. Yep, absolutely. Okay, give me, give, me, give, me, give me past two. I'm going to guess the same thing happens, to be quite honest. We don't know, though. We haven't seen it. <laughs> Because that that metal expanded metal on the start was slippery even when it was dry. Beating Marvin Muskan in even a single run at Red Bull Straight Rhythm. But okay, so now they switch sides. The oh, pause to. it real quick. Here it is. The, the right side. So the side that Muskan is going on to now was the slightly better side. The whoops were a little bit better, and the two 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 uh, the two three three before the big table was a little bit easier to push through. And the big tabletop was much easier to scrub when you're on rider's right. Although Roxon did that absolutely ridiculous scrub when he was on yeah, rider's left. Yeah, we're gonna left. do that next. So every opportunity I got a chance to pick a lane, I went to rider's right. Every mm -hmm. time, just FYI. And everybody else had, everybody else did the same. Okay, continue. All right, here we go. Baited matchup, Moosecan, Roxon. It's all the line. I'm, I'm guessing Roxon's going to botch the start again. Way okay, no, he didn't. Little slide, but Two. way better than the last yeah, one. Yeah, in fact, now he might even be in the lead in a big scrub on that speed check. So Roxon is fighting back big time. Okay, Roxon clipped that a little bit. Ooh. And because of that, Muscan yep, extends yep. it just a little bit. So Roxon is going to have to be good on this jump and maybe Re rewind a little bit. It's close enough. Don't worry. It's close enough. Um, Scrub this last right single. after, right to the beginning again, I guess. Sorry. So, and pause it when you get there. So what I saw so far is Roxon, I think, got a little ahead of himself. And he did he skim the rollers right off the bat that time? I, and that's exactly what I did when I supermaned myself in 2019 at Straight Rhythm is instead of getting into the rhythm, which usually is faster anyhow, I skimmed at the dragon's back and got lost. He skimmed those rollers. Muskin went 2-4. Yep. And it turned out that the 2-4 that Muskin did was actually probably a quarter of a bike length faster. Then in the next section, when they went on, off, over, Roxon clipped that just a little bit. And when you clip it, I mean, you're losing, you're losing a hundredth of a second, a couple hundredths of a second. And then because he did that, Roxon then went to go, he realized now, okay, now I've made two mistakes. Now I've got to scrub the crap out of this single. 
And I think him scrubbing that single actually made him lose a little bit more time because he probably landed a little too sideways. Let me just watch it through one more time. Where do you want to watch it from? Uh, just right from the start, I guess. Here it is, the anticipated matchup. Muskan, Roxin, it's all the line. Way better by Kenny. Little slide, but way better than the last yeah, one. Fact, okay, so the skin wasn't bad. I mean, he's right there. On, that clip is what got him because that clip made him have to pop higher on the next single. And whatever he did to scrub that is really, and like I said, the 2 3 3 is what separates him because the right side 2 3 3, you can go a heck of a lot faster. Just the way the jumps were set up. And I told Jason Baker that, but he didn't believe me. See, now I just can't see. Yeah. I mean, Muskin is solid. And the thing is, too, when those guys are so high level, neither of them are really going to mess up. And the tricky thing about straight rhythm mentally is that you know that if you have in, in Supercross and outdoors and any other type of racing, a little clip like that, you wouldn't even think twice about it because you have a whole lap. You have a whole race to worry about. When you're in straight rhythm and you clip something, you then instantly in your head just want to try to go faster in the next obstacle. And usually it leads to compounding mistakes because you're then overriding. So it's very, very tricky. And just as an average person, I'm sure these guys aren't thinking this way, but as an average person, straight rhythm is scary because you're loaded into one thing where there's only two guys going down a straightaway and everybody is watching just you and you have one shot to make it happen. Again, it's not like a race where you have a million variables. You have eight laps, you have 20 guys or 40 guys, and there's so much that can happen all the time. And there's so many mistakes happening that the just the, the room for error is much, much greater in straight rhythm. You hang a back tire like Roxon did and have to pop a little higher on the next triple because the suspension wouldn't have been in the proper stroke to be able to push through the next one, it screws up a whole race run. And then being on left side, like I said, he has, you have to stretch the two, three, three a little bit more to where Muskin could really push through it. Being on the left side of the, the big table, Roxon probably wasn't in it being wet. He probably wasn't able to effectively scrub that as hard as he would have when it was dry. Yeah, that's crazy though. Because yeah. watching Roxanne all day, I'm like, nobody's beating that guy. Yeah, yeah. Now, speaking He's of... He's just so good. Because straight rhythm usually lends itself to the guys that are very, very just bike skill and talented. And Roxanne is that guy to me. And Hanson. And Justin Hill. Dude, there was a lot of them there. Hanson looked so good. Yeah, of course. It looked effortless. Just, yeah. Yeah, because it's Hanson. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Where Hanson struggles is Hanson doesn't really scrub. Did you notice that? <laughs> Hanson scrubs by doing this. Yeah, you go. By, by drop, yeah. he, he scrubs by dropping the front, and it's not super effective. Uh, it looks very cool, but it, it has a ceiling on how effective it is. So when you're doing the vertical nose drop type soak up versus uh, scrubbing horizontally to deflect the rebound of the bike this way, it just, you can only go so fast. Mm. And you would see it. There were certain jumps he'd pop so much higher than the other guys just because he was just floating through doing one of these. But darn, it looks cool. Yeah. Now, speaking of looking cool. Yeah. The biggest scrub of the year. 
Ready? Oh. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, let's, let's watch this. Okay, so real quick. He caught his foot peg a little bit, which is horrifying because if, and I know that didn't do it justice, but hitting that jump, there was a, a plateau, like a lip mm -hmm. after it yeah. where the Red Bull sign was. I would have been afraid scrubbing it that hard that I would have then hit the Red Bull sign. Are you like, so, sorry, keep going. Well, what were you going to ask? I was, are, are you like thinking of doing that when you're coming up to it or do you just do it? Oh, interesting. So, no, in a race situation like that, he probably decided to scrub that hard. Like when he landed, he probably landed the jump before it just right and was just far enough behind Barsha to where he got that urge in his stomach to just be like, oh, well, we're sending this thing. Because I, back when I was young, I would often scrub by guys. Often. I remember at English Town, they used to have this big floater tabletop in the back. I would take off after guys and land before them all the time. And it just takes that little bit of extra effort. So when, when you scrub, obviously you're hitting the jump faster than what you would to hit it normally. That's step one. Step two, and I've been teaching this lately and I never really thought about this until lately, you scrub off throttle. A scrub, I think almost always, always is off throttle, meaning you have to come in so fast that you let off the throttle for that last last little bit. When you get so effective, dude, so sick. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. That's what I get for teaching class in 30 degree weather. When you get really good at scrubbing, then the fear is catching your inside foot. Twice when I was on 85s, once was Minio's, another one was at uh, Hurricane Hills or Pleasure Valley or Frozen Ocean, Frozen Ocean, wherever the heck that track is, New York, Pennsylvania, somewhere, it was horrible. On 85, scrubbed so hard that my foot peg caught and on a small bike like that, you don't have enough power to push you through it. It just would throw you into an endo and tsunami like Superman yourself. So I crashed twice in a year. I think within a year I crashed twice doing that. And ever since I've been scared. But what you'll notice is if you replay that, and if you, uh, you know who's really good at it is Chase Sexton. When you watch Chase Sexton do a scrub, he frequently catches his inside foot peg on the jump face, but they keep their foot so tight that it doesn't affect them. And being on fast bikes, they're able, and they're approaching with so much speed, they're able to not like have it kill all of their forward momentum. But to do it on a jump, and for anybody that wasn't there, that tabletop was huge. It was insane. It was actually insane. Huge. The biggest jump I've ever hit at a race event in my life. And I know it started like people were starting to hit it so casually that once you watched it on TV, it probably didn't look as spectacular. But this is a good gauge of it. What the 125s had to practice first. The guys in the 125 class all were very high level dudes. It took seven or eight passes until anybody jumped it. That never happens. Usually second lap at Supercross, everything's been jumped. At most three laps, maybe four laps. And especially this just being a casual tabletop. It wasn't like it was a quad and a rhythm section or anything super technical. It was just so big that nobody wanted to jump it. And you couldn't see. So when you're going off the face, I'm talking, you're just staring at the Red Bull sign and the sky. When you landed on top, you would land on the wood 
and ride on the wood for a while. And then I don't know why they did this. The landing had a huge dirt knuckle. Yeah, that was which weird. was the that was the scariest part. And holy cow, it was also spaced just far enough away from the jump before it and just too close to the jump after it that it was like, oh my God, I'm not only afraid to case this thing because I'm going to land on this knuckle and kill myself, but if I jump this down to the bottom, I'm in the face of that next on off. And you fell and like you, 60 feet. Holy crap. But it was so, I wish I had a bike that didn't bog because I would have loved to, I could have sessioned that jump all day long. The feeling was like hitting a freestyle jump, like 120 foot when the ramps, uh, I think standard freestyle length is 75. Is it 60, 60 or 70, 75? I want to say 75. When you hit a 120 ramp to dirt, which I've only done one day, the feeling you get in your stomach is like nothing else. It doesn't feel, it feels like you're on a roller coaster ride. Mm -hmm. Very unusual feeling. That's what that tabletop felt like. It looked fun once you guys were doing it, but it, Oh, I mean, guys, when you got up there, if you stood at the top of that thing, you're like, oh, this is big. Cause not only are <laughs> you 40 feet in the air, but it's, it was big. I don't know what it was and lip to lip, but it was huge. It was all, what would you guess distance wise? At least like 135. It, I mean, <laughs> it's gotta be. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I would say 80. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But it felt like you're going equally as high right. as you were far. That was what was unusual about it. And that that's what was so fun about it as well. Um, Did it work like, you know how freestyle jumps, you've said it, uh, like you can hit yes. them as fast as you want. You just go higher, you don't go further. Yes, yeah, sort of, sort of to a certain extent. And that was like, once you learned how to hit it, that's what made us all feel pretty confident in it in that you could go wicked fast and you were still gonna catch that landing somewhere. Yeah. So many noises, dude. Yeah. Yeah, but that that jump was insane. And for rocks and to throw a scrub. I mean, he made up two bike lanes. Oh. Just just there. And it wasn't just a scrub. Like that was a scrub of all scrubs. That was that was, that was spectacular. Level for sure. Yeah, you can't you can't humanly scrub any harder than that on a jump that is that big. No, you could. I couldn't believe no, that you, even happened. No. I can't even if you guys could have seen how steep that lip was, it didn't look oh. scrubbable. Scrubbable. No, I know. <laughs> like, wow. Wild. Yeah. Wild. That, it, it was just a fun jump, but for straight rhythm is just fun, period. I, I'm glad, though, because the last one for the Pastrana one and the year before when I did the Stewart tribute, which was what, 17, 18 or 18, 19, neither of those years had any jumps that were that fun or big. Yeah. So hopefully moving forward, straight rhythm, Jason Baker, build something like that because that was awesome. Come on, dude. Who was that? Don't call me. Driver Jamie. Oh, everybody on my team knows not to call me unless they set it up. Well, I call you. Set you just don't up. answer. So. Oh, right. Um, imagine, yeah, I never answer a call unless it's set up. Imagine. Uh, OK, so there's one thing and I want to hear your opinion about this because I didn't ride the track. But from a viewer standpoint, there was one thing okay. I would change about the track. OK, I would take out the double before the finish line and after the whoops. It seemed more exciting when it went whoops to finish line. Uh, agreed. Agreed. I personally would make the whoops that long. Oh, wow. Just like forever? Forever. And bigger. That was my only disappointment is that the whoops were in it. It wouldn't have mattered because my bike was bogging. I would have made it halfway through and not gone any further. But they should make the whoops a little bigger. 
and they should make maybe like five more of them. And then right into a big finish line, like make the finish line giant. You want guys to be able to throw huge whips or something like that. Those two jumps, especially in the 250 class, were very tiny. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you'd make the jumps, the whoops bigger though, because it's pretty exciting to see, you know, that one Hail Mary where the dude's just looks like he's in a straightaway. He's going so fast. Yeah. And but when they're slightly, when they're slightly bigger though, the Hail Mary would look more drastic because he'd probably catch the next guy even more so. Right. I think, I think these ones were so easy that everybody was going so fast that even when somebody did Hail Mary it, there wasn't much time to be made or lost. Yeah. Where, in fact, even last time they did straight rhythm, those whoops were bigger. Really? And you saw more passes where like guys were getting kind of blown out of the water in the whoops. Yeah. They weren't massive. They weren't like sometimes where you see them at Supercross and you're like, what are these things? But they were definitely, these ones had like, there was like five setup whoops. Didn't you notice that? There was five whoops at the beginning that were so laid over and so flat that it actually, for me, it made it harder to like figure out where I was. Normally mm. you have one setup whoop and then you're right into the big ones. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like that double between the whoops and the finish line, like just killed it. Cause like mm. it was the finish line, that double. Cause it was not right. like you were going to pass anybody after that was the finish line. So that was kind Although, of who did somebody got passed there. Yeah. I don't know who he must've been a loser though. Um, <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? It was just like, yeah, yeah. Meh. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that. Yep. Uh, how long have we been podcasting for? 57 minutes. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Do you have anything else? Well, I have a couple crashes we could look at, but. Well, sure. Let me look at them quick. First one's Ivan Ramirez. I didn't even see this happen, and we were standing uh, right there. I, I saw it happen. Okay. Ready for it? Okay, so a little background. Ivan Ramirez is a woods guy, right? Or an uh, off-road guy of some sort? <laughs> I'm not the guy to ask, dude. I really me, don't. Me neither. I really me neither. I think he is. I think he is. So props to Ivan Ramirez, first of all, if he is an off-road guy, Yeah. To for, for doing this, period. Right. Because... <clears throat> Supercross is a very specific thing and straight rhythm is supercross on steroids because it's just a lot to remember and it's very intimidating, very scary. It's just very specific. So props to him. Yep. I do know who um, Johnny Walker is though. <laughs> I know who Johnny Walker is now after having a conversation with him for 30 minutes. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> we got it. Okay, let let me tell that quick story. So I'm having like, this guy walks up to me with a Red Bull hat on. Didn't really even put two and two together, to be quite honest. And just talking to him, he's asking about the bike. We're just having a normal conversation for quite a while, and then and everybody else is also actively engaging in this conversation. So Jackson's in the conversation. Dan's kind of right there. Cam's right there without i didn't know this but they all knew who this guy was and he we get into a conversation about erzberg and i go oh it'd be a cool team building event and i look at jackson I'm like that'd be sweet to have everybody go to erzberg and just try to do it and he starts talking about erzberg and and i go oh you've done it before and he goes yeah yeah mate i uh i've won it four or five times <laughs> like, i go oh oh what's your name Wow, and this is deep service. into the conversation. Ooh, what is this? What is so, that? So, sorry, sorry, Johnny Walker. Super cool guy. Very cool guy. Of course, Jackson, myself, the rest of the crew is like, whoa, that's Johnny Walker. Like, what the heck is he doing here? 
Oh, and I just had no idea. So yeah, those of you that do off-road, oh, oh, we'll have Johnny Walker out of school. That'd be fun. I, I was talking to him this morning a little bit. So yeah, we'll make that happen. Okay, but give me Ivan Ramirez, potential off-road guy. All right, he is. We think. I just we, we think. Okay. I just looked. I can confirm. Holy moly. Yeah, what okay, so there, eh? my guess is that I think his suspension setup was probably too soft the entire time. He probably did like a half ass version of a supercross setting. Yeah, dude, he bottomed so bad if you go frame because by frame. Yeah, he jumped a little deep into the pocket, number one, which you can get away with if you have supercross suspension because it won't go so deep into the stroke. But the setting he had, that looked like it blew through so much, which it's it's then going to react. It's going to send you front end high. And usually it also sends you front end high, but like off to one side. So by him throwing the bike, that was definitely a good move. Um, but I bet you that was mostly bike setting. That was a very steep, harsh pocket because you were jumping off of a jump that was like this. It was like sloped, right? Everybody else was jumping to the top of that tabletop. He was trying to jump and land in just double it and land in that steep, steep pocket. So he's coming. And then the next one, once you land on this downslope, was then just the sharpest little lip ever because it was the tiny plateau that you were trying to land on top. Mm -hmm. Because nobody else was landing in that pocket. Everybody, even 125 guys, all started jumping, tripling up onto the plateau. So he jumped the ski jump. So he had the wrong angle, wrong traject trajectory in the first place. Went a little deep. And then, yeah, with that suspension being that soft, it would just blow through. And then it would send you straight into a loop out. Yeah. And in, and in that situation, in Supercross, not knowing what you're going to land on, throwing the bike is actually a pretty good move. Because otherwise, who knows where, where he would have landed and then that problem would have just then continued. That would have been the, the beginning of his crash where when he threw the bike, that was the end of it. Right. Had he, st had he stayed on, that would have been the beginning of that incident. And then he would have, <laughs> he would have then probably overshot the next tabletop like this, which would have then endoed him and he would have been endoing into three jumps later. Right. Yeah, I wonder if yeah. part of it was like him trying to get up onto that table. I just imagine this being his first attempt to get on that table. I don't know if that's true, but it kind of looks like it. It looks like it, it would be. Yeah, I don't know. Which that would be scary yeah. to do an on And a guy, and I'm sure this guy is very, very talented at jumping, but a guy with a little more supercross experience would also, also know, I think, or at least I would, to when you were trying to double in that pocket, if you overshot that pocket by the tiniest bit, you could not try that next jump onto the next tabletop. Mm-hmm. Not because you couldn't make it speed-wise, but because your suspension didn't simply have time to go through the stroke and put you in the right spot. So, okay. Fun. We solved that problem. Fun. All right, so this next crash I'm a little upset about. I don't know what you're about to show me. So this would be during the GoPro course preview. Oh, you, oh, you were okay. mic'd up and filming and all that stuff. I went to put it in the yeah. vlog last night, and GoPro yeah. took the footage. I don't even have it. What? They took it off the card. No. Isn't that lame? Just that one clip? The, all of that GoPro course preview stuff, they took. 
Oh, I thought he didn't mean they, to, right? I thought I, they were just going to copy it off the card, but they actually took it off the card. So that stinks. But the vlog's almost done. I'll send it to you later. Um, and it's good. It's too long anyway. You know what I mean? But you yeah, talking shoot. through the crash would have been really funny. But oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, well. All right, okay, so let's see. This is Jackson's angle. <laughs> <laughs> So in a blue hat running down the hill, that's Jeremy. He's the promoter of the event. So shout out Jeremy going to rescue him. Absolutely. How okay, that bike so, didn't blow up is beyond me. Uh, what was his name again? Josh Thomas, was it? Something like that. It's a very nice guy. I, and I feel like I've met, he. it sounded as though I've met him before, but I, I just have a horrible memory. Anyhow, his bike didn't seem like it was running completely spectacular either. When we were doing that course preview, I was on riders left. I had fully intended, I think, on just going two, two, two all the way through that. I didn't know he was gonna, but he, this was either his first time attempting it or he was gonna go bounce two, triple, which turned into the race line. When he went bounce two, he went just a little bit too long. And on the 125, you had to land perfectly at the top of that downside to get all the drive you could up into that. And when he went a little too long, not only were you at risk of bogging, which did happen, but you just didn't have the speed to clear it. So he still went for it. Bike bogged a little bit, which at that point I'm like, oh, he's not even, miraculously, he was actually still pretty close to clearing it. Leveled out. I don't know if he tapped his rear brake in that clip or not, but he did a great job by leveling that bike out and plowing into it front tire first. The way he cased that is exactly how I would teach any student to case a jump, especially a steep jump like that, because had he had not landed front tire first, that crash would have been a hundred times worse. In fact, that crash shouldn't have even happened. He kind of just almost like gave up on it after the fact. Case the front tire first, maybe he hurt something on that impact, the initial impact, but then he bounced and I think his foot slipped off. I'd have to watch it. I'm, I'm breaking this down guys on my iPhone, <laughs> looking at his iPhone, <laughs> which is, <laughs> 15 feet away from me on a chair that's over here in the corner. So I basically guessing and his foot slipped and then he just plowed into the next one. So that crash happened because of not the case that crash happened because of what he did afterward. He cased it perfectly. And most people in that situation, especially this guy, I don't think this dude's got much supercross experience. So props to him for knowing how to case a jump. And yes, guys, I get argued on this constantly. In fact, someone on Instagram argued me on it so much where I said, well, do you have a clip of you? And maybe I could just, you know, let you know what I see. And because he says, yo, I cased a big triple the other day and I wrote out and I go, well, do you have the clip? He goes, yeah, matter of fact, I do. Tags me in on Instagram. He cases this big, pretty big triple like this and explodes himself into an endo. <laughs> but he wrote, he, he wrote out of it. So that that was his justification. Nice. And I was like, uh, no, <laughs> if you're going to case something that's big, the only time for the most part, there's exceptions to this maybe, but I, I could break it. If you guys ever sent me footage, which you can do by the way, inside of the Moto Academy app, for those of you just listening to this, if you overshoot a jump and land on the flat, that situation would call for landing just ever so slightly back tire first. In fact, you could be completely level. And then just by getting on the throttle right before you land, 
it will drop the back end just that little bit. That's how you would treat a flat land. Or if you case the tabletop so badly that you mistimed it so badly that you're essentially flat landing, right? If we're casing an obstacle, whether it's a double that has a peak or a tabletop that has a sharp edge or even a tabletop that has a rounded edge, what you wanna do is you want to level out pretty close to the pitch of the landing of the jump. And what that'll do, and this is terrifying for most people, you're hitting front tire first, it will push you through the obstacle. It will create less of a bounce. It will not just compress the rear end and then throw you into an endo. So if you're gonna case something, that's how you should do it. Long story long. Yep. Trying to make, trying to make a clip over here. I agree. <laughs> do what he said. Doesn't sound yeah. right, but do it anyway. It doesn't sound right, but I promise you, I promise you, send me, send me any clip of you riding that you want and I'll be able to tell you what you did wrong in that situation as far as bike pitch and uh, why landing front tire first in that circumstance would help you. Which, and by the way, you never wanna land both tires at the same time, I don't think. Mm. What situation? No, it kind of just hurts more. <laughs> right, it does. Yeah. It's always, and it's subtle, right? It's always either front tire barely first or back tire barely first. You see some people, some, somebody in, inside Moto Academy sent me a clip this morning, jumped the tabletop three quarters of the way, landed exactly both tires at the same time. And it just looked like such a harsh impact. And it like whipped their neck like this. And had they just had the courage to level out more so, Hit front tire first would have solved that problem. Yep. Chad at Tomahawk just texted me. Wonder what that was about. Nice. All right. Well, I got to go eat. Uh, my lips are chapped. I got a runny nose. Um, the sun's finally coming out, though. It's a beautiful day in Vermont, anyway. Just cold. It's always cold. Uh, all right. Well, that's it. That's our episode, Moto Academy podcast. If you're listening to this podcast and you've listened this far, first of all, thank you. Second of all, if you want to watch it, go to club.themotoacademy.com to watch the full episodes. And if you're watching and you want to listen and you haven't downloaded it yet on Apple or Spotify, get over there, download the audio only versions so you guys can listen to it. If you're inside of the Moto Academy app, send us questions about anything because we do one podcast a week. It is typical that we will just grab random questions, toss them into a podcast. So send them to cameraman cam inside of the app, vertical videos taken with your phone. Just send them to the direct messaging system to cam inside of the app and we'll include you in the podcast to answer your questions. Okay. Is that it? That's it. That's it. Toodles.